0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2, on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, we're having some fun with our hot question of the day today, okay? Because it's National Caesar Day. So let's talk about it. It was the cocktail that was created in Calgary back in 1969. It was by restaurateur Walter Chell. He was celebrating the opening of a new Italian restaurant and created this concoction. And did you know how popular this thing is in Canada? Something like 300 million Caesars are consumed each year in this country. I got that stat off of Wikipedia, just so you know. Uh, But I'm wondering, mainly on Sunday mornings, I'm guessing hangovers for a lot of those, as somebody else has said, a brunch thing too. Uh, But remember, this is mainly in Canada. That's where Caesars are really popular because in the US and elsewhere, it's the Bloody Mary. And the difference, of course, being no Clamato, which by the way, i love clamato i will drink that by itself no problem all the time so we're asking you today for our hot question of the day which one do you prefer i mean do you prefer the caesar very canadian or the bloody mary go to simisarah 980 or at cknw on twitter and cast your vote on this thing you can also email me simi at cknw.com if you have a lengthier explanation you would like to provide to us by all mean, call our buzz line 604-331-BUZZ, um, 331-2899. Somebody, Jamie tweeted to say, is there a both disgusting option? No, there is not on national Caesar day. We are promoting the Canadian Caesar on this. Uh, David though, legit, David, David said bloody Mary, because I'm severely allergic to shellfish and the Clamato would kill me. Otherwise, you know, all's good. Uh, legit, David. Absolutely. You should pick the Bloody Mary. But we're asking you, which one's better? What's a better drink? You can order a Caesar, you can order a Bloody Mary.
1: It is National Caesar Day, after all. Now, continuing coverage of the expenses scandal at the legislature on the Simi Sarah Show. If
2: the outcome of those audits did not outrage the public, did not make them
3: throw up, I will resign as speaker moments ago hearing from the
2: speaker's office that indeed there is a criminal investigation underway. The RCMP has been called in.
3: It's like a bomb went off in this building. He informed us that we were on <clears throat> going to be placed on administrative leave. Speaker Darrell Plekis is accusing the pair of spending
4: big of stealing alcohol, uh, $3,200 for a wood splitter, uh, another $10,000 for a trailer for it. Uh, apparently, the wood splitter was never actually parked or placed at the legislature. Instead, according to uh, Daryl Pluckis, it was in uh, Craig James' uh, garage.
3: The Legislative Assembly Management Committee promised an eminent jurist, and they're now saying you couldn't find anyone more eminent than Beverly McLaughlin. She will have the power to do interviews with individuals as well is well uh, to get the information that she needs to get to the bottom of this
0: oh it is another big day in our provincial capital the two men at the center of this whole legislature spending scandal could learn their fate It has been months now since we first learned about this story and today we're actually expecting Beverly McLaughlin's report into the situation that's going to be released to the public within the next hour. And there could be a vote on the fate of the suspended clerk, Craig James, and the suspended Sergeant-at-Arms, Gary Lentz, immediately afterwards. So let's talk more about this. Remember, in all of this, both James and Lentz have denied any wrongdoing. So how did we get here? Well, for that, we're going to turn to Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Good morning, Keith.
5: That was quite an intro sound montage there. It really
0: was. <laughs> Brings back a lot of memories over the last six months, right? It
5: certainly does. certainly does. Everything's... Um Yeah, so we're expecting literally minutes away from the release of Beverly McLaughlin's report into the Speaker's allegations. Uh, It's going to come uh, at the end of question period, which is about just before 11 a.m. this morning. Uh, Mike Farmer, the government house leader, is going to stand up. He will table McLaughlin's report and um, potentially a couple of other uh, add-ons in terms of her report. And then uh, we're going to see if he moves a motion, uh, at least one motion, that uh, will affect the employment status of these two uh, table officers, of the legislature, Craig James, the, the chief clerk, and Gary Lenz, the sergeant at arms. And uh, then they're going to come out to the blue curtain here, we call it, uh, for a scrum with the press gallery and explain exactly uh, what, uh, what has evolved here.
0: So how did we get here? Like, well, this started, what, about six months ago or so? Can you walk mm-hmm. us through that just to get a refresher?
5: Well, the speaker made some allegations against uh, the clerk and the uh, sergeant at arms, uh, but after it was revealed, uh, he revealed that uh, there was a special prosecutor investigation of the two officers here at the BC Legislature. He informed the government uh, the. Um, the three house leaders of that fact in the wake of a special prosecution uh... investigation uh... a police investigation the house leaders decide to move a motion and the table officers are are hired by the legislature and they can only be removed or suspended by the legislature it's not like the speaker can do it so they moved a motion to basically suspend the two officers from their jobs it was passed unanimously they were escorted the two officers out of the building by po- Victoria police officers. It was incredibly dramatic here, and people were in absolute shock because nobody had any inkling this was happening. Then it was revealed the speaker had been conducting his own investigation with his special aide, which w- w- proved to be unsettling with people. Uh, he produced a report, uh, sort of detailing his allegations against the two officers. They responded with their own, uh, with a rebuttal, trying to explain their their situation. Uh, the House leaders and the Le- Legislative uh, Assembly Management Committee, which consisted of the House leaders and a couple other MLAs, decided it was best to get this thing out of the legislature and get some independent eyes on this thing. And that's why they hired uh, Beverly McLaughlin, the former uh, Chief Justice of the, BC, of the uh, Supreme Court of Canada, the eminent jurist and uh, certainly unassailable in terms of her credibility and integrity. So she's been. She took the allegations from the Speaker. She conducted her own investigation. We have no idea who she talked to. I know who she didn't talk to. Mike Farmer tells me he. She never talked to him. Not that he would necessarily be the focal point of her investigation, obviously, because this is really about the, the two officers mm-hmm. and the Speaker. I'm not sure if she talked to the two officers, not sure if she talked to the Speaker, but she's coming back with her assessment of the situation uh, with her own report, as I say, it will be tabled around 11 a.m. this morning, and uh, it's going to be posted on the uh, Legislative Assembly website, which I invite everyone to go to, which is www. Ledge leg.bc.ca dot dot and you go to uh, today at the legislature and there will be the report posted there the clerk, the current clerk, Kate Ryan Lloyd told me just minutes ago she expects that report to be posted almost simultaneously with the the tabling of the report in the legislature and I can tell you Sidney, this place has been buzzing uh, oh. again for uh, 48 hours, this was supposed to happen on Tuesday uh, but they, apparently some of the parts of the report had to be um, Redacted by lawyers. And so that took a bit of time. And that's why it's coming out today. But everybody from the guards to the sessional staff in the hallway, to the dining room, to the cleaners, have been coming up to me saying, when is this coming out? Everybody here wants this uh, basically over, one way or another, that they think, uh, it's interesting, a lot of people work at the legislature, and these are not politicians, this is literally like the security staff, the dining room, the janitorial staff, they think they're under a cloud, unfairly, that they've had nothing to do with this, but they say people, their friends sort of jokingly joke with them, oh, you're at the legislature, you're part of the spending scandal, and they're like, no, I'm not. Um, so they want this cleared up. And I can tell you the the real buzz in the legislature is, uh, is quite the, – the expectations are high that this is going to be resolved one way
2: or another.
0: Now, have things changed then, Keith? Like, obviously, this was years of doing things a certain way that has been greatly disrupted now uh, in the last six months. What has changed in terms of how things are done now at the legislature?
5: Well, everything from – um, MLA is now realizing I'm not going on any trips yeah, <laughs> for, good. for parliamentary yeah. conferences, uh, so that's that's one thing. All these the, the sort of the Commonwealth conferences is one. I was just talking to MLA yesterday. The speaker wanted him to go to a, a parliamentary conference to Africa, and he said, uh, "No, you know, no, I'm just not doing this anymore because um, the public now is of the view that this is." Potentially wasteful spending, so that 's one aspect of uh, something that's uh, that 's changed. The other thing is you 're not going you 're going to see more oversight now um, of spending at the legislature by by officers and by by general spending. Lampsey, the legislative assembly management committee, was sort of inert for a long time It, it never it only met once in in a year, and now the house leaders are realizing we better meet fairly often, and we' better be consulting with the financial uh, people at the legislature on a regular basis and ensure that some of this stuff just doesn't uh, happen anymore. Huh. So there's more oversight and there's less spending, quite frankly, and you're going to see a heck of a lot less travel. I think the days of sending delegations to parliamentary conferences are over.
0: Great. I know a lot of people would be very happy to hear that. It's interesting because before it seemed like there was very much a apprehension to try to interfere in legislature spending, like, oh, no, like that's independent, that, mm-hmm. and that's completely changed now. It sounds like. I, I think it has
5: changed. It's still there's still a, a view that you know the legislature has to be independent of the parties. Uh, but the House leaders realize they've got a duty now to to ensure that there's not wasteful spending. Most of the stuff that Darrell Pluckus alleged, quite a bit of it, was about travel and about uh, uh, expenses on travel. And when travel ceases to exist, uh, you're going to see a lot less than this. My understanding now, I think you're going to see only delegations go to the, the national conference of, le- of legislatures, which is legitimate. I mean, they go there and they go to Ottawa. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in, you know in summer. Maybe they go in winter and have to endure snow. Um, and they go to, perhaps to London for the for the general commonwealth conference they send a delegation there and and there is one uh, that's unique in the northwest of the, in the, which comprises the united states which is a relatively new one but uh it's interesting to sort of foster a relationship between the bc legislature washington oregon um utah uh, i think alberta's in there as well and that may be perceived as a legitimate one but i think the days of going into the the, the bermuda islands or Yeah. Barbados in the middle of winter for a luxurious four-day conference to discuss parliamentary procedure, I think that's over. I think it's more the the traditional ones that are going to be the only ones attended now.
0: Good. Okay. Lots to talk about then, Keith. We'll let you go. I know it's going to be busy for you today. Thank you. Talk later. Okay. That is Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, outlining all the changes and things that have happened in the last six months. Because remember that footage? I think that shocked everybody when you saw that footage of the, at that time, uh, Clerk Craig James and Sergeant at Arms Gary Lentz being walked out of the legislature uh, by police and people went, what is happening? And in the months since then, we've had all of this, these accusations come out, all of these allegations come out. And today we're going to get a much bigger picture. Beverly McLaughlin, the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada, has uh, written a report on this. Looking into everything, that report is going to be released imminently in the next probably 15, 20 minutes or so. Uh, She's turned in her findings. Uh, She was appointed as a special investigator into this about six weeks ago. And so there will be a lot more to come on this. Keep it tuned in right here for the very latest because we will have it for you and get lots of reaction to it as well. If you want to weigh in, send me at cknw.com. I mean, some of the stuff that Keith was just talking about there, I know a lot of us would be very happy about that. It's about time. Politicians thought twice, right? About taking these trips and these junkets. Like I'm glad to hear that they are very apprehensive about this and thinking, well, this isn't going to look it. they should have been thinking that before when they were doing this. But if this is what it took to make them think twice about that, well then good. This stuff had to be exposed.
1: Now, continuing coverage of the expenses scandal at the legislature on The Simi Sarah Show.
0: All right, this is actually happening right now. Mike Farnworth, the Public Safety Minister, the Solicitor General, and in this case, the uh, NDP House Leader, is announcing the findings of the McLaughlin Report. And once again, to refresh your memory, the McLaughlin Report was done by Beverly McLaughlin, the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada. And it was done to come in, take a look at all these allegations that were going around about misspending at the legislature, not of the elected MLAs, but of the people who worked at the legislature, specifically the former sergeant-at-arms and the former clerk of the legislature. So House leaders received this report about two weeks ago. and They've been talking about it. They've obviously looked at the recommendations. They had some of the information uh, redacted and are just releasing it this morning. So parts have been kind of blacked out to protect the identity of some of the witnesses who came forward. So what we've heard is that the House leaders accept all of the recommendations in this report. Here's what it's found out. That you really have to dig into it. It's very thorough. And as Keith Baldry mentioned to us earlier, you yourself can go online and read this report in its entirety. And I do recommend that you do that because it's a very specific document. You can find it at ledge.bc.ca, that's l-e-g.bc.ca. It's right there on the order of the day. The McLaughlin report listed there. Just click on it and and take a look at it. So just taking a quick look at what they have found so far is that the McLaughlin report says that the former sergeant-at-arms, Gary Lentz, did not engage in misconduct. result is not the same, the recommendation not the same for the former clerk of the legislature. Um, and it says he did in respect uh, of expense claims. Uh, engaged in misconduct. He directed benefits to his advantage, uh, removed property, and improperly used legislature property for personal use. Uh, Remember the suits... Uh, This was a big part of the allegations that were levied by uh, the Speaker of the Legislature, Daryl Plekis, that he was on a trip with James and Lentz and uh, the clerk at the time, he alleges Craig James, ordered a whole bunch of very expensive suits while they were over in the UK and claimed that they were part of a new uniform rule. Uh, Ms. McLaughlin directly takes a look at those accusations and she comes to the conclusion that those suits were acquired by Craig James for his personal use and that the claims and reimbursement breached legislative assembly rules and uh, breached the and and constituted misconduct essentially by Craig James. And remember the luggage? This was one of those things that kind of people really grabbed upon where there were allegations that the uh, clerk at the time, Craig James, had bought this, you know, nice set of luggage Claimed that it was for the legislature, so got reimbursed for it and tried to make the argument that, uh, oh, this is for legislature use. Anybody who needs luggage at the legislature can use this luggage. Uh, she found the same thing for the particular luggage. She says, I conclude that the luggage acquired was acquired for Mr. James's personal use and that the associated claims and reimbursement breached legislative assembly rules and policies and constituted misconduct. That's also a big one there. Uh, So also, as I said, lots of details on this that we are still kind of trying to work out here. Uh, But one of the resulting uh, things of this is that Craig James, who up until now had been suspended as the clerk, has retired effective today. Uh, A non-financial settlement has been reached in that case. So all of this information coming out right now. Let's have a listen to Mike Farnworth, the NDP House leader who rose moments ago in the legislature, to talk about this.
4: The findings of Ms. McLaughlin are as follows. The Sergeant-at-Arms, Mr. Lenz, did not engage in misconduct with respect to any of the five allegations... Having considered the findings of the special investigator with the benefit of legal counsel and in a manner that respects procedural fairness, Mr. Lenz continues on administrative leave with pay and benefits pursuant to the motion adopted by this House on November 20th, 2018, and in accordance with the terms and conditions set out in that order. With respect to the clerk, The special investigator found that Mr. James did engage in misconduct with respect to four of the five allegations, specifically in relation to making expense claims for improper purchases of a personal nature by directing the creation of three benefits to his personal advantage outside of established protocols improperly removing legislative assembly property from the legislative precinct without accounting for it, and by improperly using legislative property for personal purposes. I wish to inform this House that Craig James has retired effective today, and that a non-financial settlement has been reached between Mr. James and the legislative assembly.
0: That is Mike Farnworth, the uh, House leader, speaking in the legislature just moments ago. Obviously, still lots of questions about this forthcoming. There were lots of different allegations that were made up in this McLaughlin reports. In some of them, she found misconduct, and in others, she did not. For instance, the travel expenses, those trips that were taken, uh, she essentially found that a lot of them fell within the rules. We may not like them. We may now find them acceptable. But technically, according to the rules at the time, they were permissible. I would expect a lot of that to change in the future. Uh, But there's still more to come on this. We're going to work through more of the details and have more for you on the legislature expanding uh, scandal coming up next. Uh, For instance, the whole thing about the alcohol. Remember the allegations that the Speaker of the Legislature had levied against the Clerk Craig James and Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lentz, uh, saying that they had loaded up a whole bunch of alcohol from the Legislature, taken it out of the Legislature, and, and had it delivered elsewhere? Here's what the McLaughlin Report says about that in particular. It says, I conclude that Mr. James knowingly removed a significant quantity of alcohol from the legislative precinct without accounting for what he took or providing verifiable payment for it. This, the report says, constitutes misconduct. So the luggage has constituted misconduct, according to Beverly McLaughlin, and so has the alcohol question. And I know, just like me, you're wondering What about the wood splitter? The wood splitter came to be this symbol, right, representing all that this scandal seemed to be about. Well, here, work with me on this one because it's a little bit tricky. The purchase of the wood splitter, according to Beverly McLaughlin, did not constitute misconduct. However, and this is a big however, the report says that Craig James's conduct following the purchase did constitute misconduct because he directly took it to his home. The report says normally facilities services would arrange for a staff person to pick up purchased equipment or arrange to have it delivered and that would all be taken care of. In this case, I guess Mr. James told the report that he offered to pick up the trailer because the shipping charge was high. The splitter was available locally, Beverly McLaughlin notes, but he also picked it up due to the delivery charge. I note, however, she says, that Mr. James claimed reimbursement for at least some of this travel, offsetting the savings that he said were because of the delivery charges. The report says Mr. James kept the wood splitter and trailer in his custody until November 2018, almost a year after he brought them home. The critical question is... Why? And this is all right in the report. Mr. James says he kept the wood splitter and trailer because there was no suitable place to store them on the legislative precinct. Beverly McLaughlin says, I reject this explanation. Indeed, the report says it borders on nonsensical. That's the word she uses in the report. Nonsensical. She said witnesses who testified on this matter stated unequivocally that there was suitable space to store the wood splitter and trailer at the legislative precinct and then goes on to detail all of the different uh, you know people who and their names are all blacked out who testified it could have gone here it could have gone there could have been put over here mr james maintains that a concrete pad was required for the trailer this was rejected uh, anybody said the packed gravel was suitable or even a preferable base for this as has been sensibly observed by others the mclaughlin report says Why would Mr. James have endorsed the purchase of this equipment if there was no room on the legislative precinct to store it? Had the anticipated emergency occurred, Beverly McLaughlin says, the equipment would have been useless unless stored at the legislative precinct. So that kind of sums up where we are at with that. That does constitute uh, misconduct in this case. The purchase didn't. The subsequent behavior did. She goes on to say, I conclude that Mr. James's retention and use of the wood splitter and trailer violated legislative assembly policy and constituted misconduct. And I should add here that she finds that there was no misconduct by uh, the Sergeant at Arms, Gary Lentz, with respect to the wood splitter or trailer. So again, lots more in this report. Uh, It is very detailed, and she clearly spoke to a lot of people, many witnesses, to kind of break down each and every allegation in this. And if you want to read this for yourself, it's very interesting reading. You can go to the uh, legislative website, it is www.ledge as an l e g bc ca you can see it there for yourself as mentioned by healthader mike farnworth just moments ago craig james the person who's at the center of all of this has retired effective immediately and a non-financial settlement was reached in this case now he has released a letter and this is what it says Uh, He said this morning, I retired as clerk of the legislative assembly. I have been in public service for more than four decades with the legislative assembly for more than 32 years, but I have had enough. I have been publicly ridiculed and vilified. This is Craig James's letter. He said, my family has been deeply hurt and continues to suffer humiliation in an effort to put an end to that. I have decided to retire and reach a settlement with the legislative assembly. When the Speaker's allegations were finally disclosed to me, I had much to say about them. I provided detailed written submissions and supporting documents, all of which are in the possession of the Legislative Assembly, many of which are not referred to or addressed in the special investigator's report, Craig James says, and almost none of which are likely known to the public or the press at this time. I believe the public has a right to see those submissions and documents so they can know and understand the whole picture and judge the truth of these matters for themselves. Now, again, if you go through the McLaughlin report, it's very detailed about all the different witnesses and the policies. Like clearly goes deep into the policies of what is appropriate, what's allowed, uh, what is acceptable, and what is not acceptable. So there is a lot of detail in the McLaughlin report. And again, if you want to take a look at it for yourself, by all means do so. You'll find it on their website. And again, throughout this whole process, if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on this, uh, go ahead and email me, simmy@cknw.com. at cknw.com. Uh, you can can also use our buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ, three three one two eight nine nine. 2899 Carol had emailed me to say, uh, listen, what is alcohol doing in the ledge in the first place? Isn't it a place of work and governing? Uh, Carol, yeah, there were a lot of questions about that, especially considering the allegations and the amount of alcohol that were involved in those allegations. It, it really... I think, I don't know, put a thorn in people's sides about how outrageous this stuff was. And a lot of this did. I should mention here that the, it did find that there's no misconduct on the part of Gary Lentz, the sergeant at arms, each and every allegation goes through both of these people. And as I mentioned, for many of them, there was misconduct found on the part of Craig James, the now retired former clerk of the legislature. Uh, But a different story for Gary Lentz, the sergeant at arms here. Uh, Just to go through some of what I have talked about already, the areas that really, that people, you know, remembered very widely, the suits. There were allegations that brought up by the speaker of the legislature that when they traveled to these fancy schmancy conferences over in the UK, that the clerk at the time had bought these very expensive suits and claimed a reimbursement for them because they were a part of the uniform of the legislature that they were going to be changing the uniform standards. And this was all going to be needed. And it was the same thing for dress shirts that were ordered and all sorts of other stuff. Mm. Uh, what the McLaughlin report found is that those suits uh, breached legislative assembly rules and policies and constituted misconduct by James. So those purchases too extravagant. What about the luggage? Found the same thing for the luggage because that was another one of those things that everybody grabbed onto going, who has pools of luggage for people to use at the legislature? Well, turns out nobody was using that shared luggage at the legislature and the report finds that the purchase and reimbursement also breached legislative assembly rules and policies and constituted misconduct. As for the alcohol that Carol mentioned there, uh, the report says and concludes that Mr. James knowingly removed a significant quantity of alcohol from the legislative precinct without accounting for what he took or providing verifiable payment For it and says this constitutes misconduct. And remember, that was the allegation that he had loaded it up into a truck and then driven it up to the former Speaker Bill Barisoff's house up in the interior. Uh, That's all dealt with in this report as well. So
1: now, continuing coverage of the expenses scandal at the legislature on the Simi Sarah Show.
0: Keith Baldry is going to be a busy man today. He's going to be wanted everywhere. So let's quickly get to him now so he can help us out with some analysis here. Hi, Keith.
5: Hey, Simi. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I can
0: see that. Okay, so Craig James gets to retire. No financial settlement. Gary Lentz, no misconduct. What happens to him?
5: Uh, Gary Lenz remains on administrative leave um, uh, with full pay and, uh, and benefits and pending the results of the special prosecutor and RCMP investigation. It's conceivable he comes back to work. Uh, it's also conceivable that he is given a financial settlement, but uh, he's basically, everything's on hold with Mr. Lenz pending the outcome of that special prosecutor uh, and RCMP investigation. Mr. James, though, as you mentioned, has now been, quote, retired with yep. a non-financial um, package. Uh, from the Legislative Assembly. Going through Bever- Beverly McLaughlin's report, she's uh, not only critical of Mr. James uh, and, uh, and and clearing Mr. Lenz, but uh, is quite critical of uh, just how the whole place has been managed by the LAMC, by the Lamsey, Legislative Assembly Management Committee. She said basically this was allowed to get out of hand because there was no proper oversight, yeah. uh, no really super... Um, uh, lack of clarity and accountability in administrative structure is how she put it. She's also critical of the speaker, uh, saying he did not ex- uh, consistently exercise supervisory authority over the, the clerk, and uh, investigating um, he took his role as an investigator at the expense of his, ab- his duties as a as a speaker. So he failed in his role as a speaker because he jumped into an investigative role of um, of these two officers. Right. So bombshell. Um, And Simi, I just got to jump off. I got to get on BC1. Okay,
0: off you go. Bye, Keith. Okay, Okay. if you want to see him, you can see him on BC1, of course, (laughs) momentarily. Uh, We're going to be talking more about this, lots of questions. Uh, We know that Mike Farnworth and Mary Polak and Sonia First now, who are the three-party house leaders, have also uh, been holding a press conference on this particular issue. Uh, They're talking about essentially what happens now As the report mentions, there was no misconduct on the part of Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lentz, so he is going to remain, for now... On administrative leave, which means that he has benefits and pay. Remember, both of these men were suspended with pay in November of last year. In the case of Craig James, he is retired as of today. Uh, no, uh, no financial settlement is how it has been put. So what, what do you do then with Gary Lentz? The, there is no misconduct found on his part. The McLaughlin report is very clear on that. Uh, so essentially, I guess it's a bit of a waiting game on that front to see what happens there. And I am going to, once again, recommend people to read the report yourself in its entirety, right? Nothing like knowing all, everything just for yourself. You can find that at ledge.bc.ca. That's le And as Keith was pointing out, it does, just because in some areas no misconduct was found doesn't mean that the potential for that wasn't found. Uh, the McLaughlin report cites the fact that there... A lot of the policies and directives here were not specific enough to find misconduct in some cases. Uh, in the probably most publicized cases, yes, uh, she did. For instance, the luggage. She did find that, that uh, the reimbursement, the claims for the luggage, uh, constituted misconduct by uh, Craig James, the alcohol found that Mr. James knowingly removed a significant quantity of alcohol without accounting for what he took or providing verifiable payment for it. That constituted misconduct. And of course the wood splitter, the big one. Here's where I thought was really interesting. The purchase of the wood splitter did not breach any rules. The purchase of the wood splitter was okay. It was what happened after the purchase of the wood splitter. The McLaughlin report says that constituted misconduct uh, mainly because the clerk took it directly to his home even though there was adequate space to store it at the legislature, uh, didn't really, you know, specify and and all this other stuff that went on with it. So, yeah, lots of questions as well about what happens next. We'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, we will bring you more of the press conference that happened on this. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about it, That, in specifically that uh, non-financial settlement that Craig James has received. Uh, Mike Farnworth was asked about that, and here's what he had to say. What does
1: a non-financial
4: uh, arrangement with Craig James, what can you tell us about that? What I can tell you is it, just what that term means. It is a non-financial financial settlement. Um, When we uh, received the report from Justice McLaughlin um, and as you know during this whole uh, uh, issue uh, we have uh, sought the advice, uh, expert legal advice from a well recognized employment lawyer and as such uh, her advice has guided us through how we uh, handle the report from once we received it to ensure one uh, proper administrative fairness is done, uh, that we minimize uh, any liability to the legislature, and uh, to ensure that things are done in a proper manner.
2: So does it mean he gets his public service pension and won't
4: sue for long term dismissal in return? There is employment law in this country and um, everyone, regardless of how they leave, is entitled to, if they work in the, the public service the standard public service pension.
0: Boy, he was picking his words very carefully there, wasn't he? He was kind of like stepping here, stepping there, saying things very, very carefully. Uh, When it comes, remember there was all those allegations as well with the clerk about uh, his retirement benefit, his vacation pay, and all of that kind of stuff? Well, the McLaughlin report says on that front, on the evidence before me, says Beverly McLaughlin, I conclude that Mr. James engaged in misconduct by directing the creation of three benefits to his personal advantage- Outside of established protocols, the 2012 retirement benefit, the 2018 resignation benefit, and the death benefit provo- proposed in the November 9th, 2017 letter. Once again, she said the allegations do not pertain to Mr. Lent. So there were some other funny things going on there financially as well that she found that, that did constitute misconduct. Once again, not the case for Mr. Lenz, according to this report. So what happens to him now? Uh, Mr. Farnworth has also asked about that.
4: In the case of Mr. Lenz, um, there, are, uh, there are still um, a number of issues. There are still some processes underway. There is the audit by the Auditor General, uh, but there is also still the, the police investigation is underway. Uh, and until uh, that has been resolved, uh, the current status uh, for Mr. Lenz will continue, which is, which is administrative leave with full pay and benefits and obviously um, with uh, uh, Chief Justice McLaughlin's findings uh, as they relate to the Speaker's report.
0: Once again, very careful words there. And also, what about the cost of all this? I mean, in the end, I think we have to say it's worth it because a lot of things are going to get fixed at the legislature as a result of this. Long-term, politicians aren't going to be taking those junkets anymore. Neither are the legislature employees, and there's going to be a lot of tightening up of the rules. So we're going to get financial accountability. But how much did it cost for us to get there, including the cost of this investigation? Here's his response on that.
4: Did the at uh, At this point, uh, I'm not in a position to tell you, uh, but what I can tell you is this. Um, I think Justice McLaughlin, uh, former just- Chief Justice McLaughlin did an outstanding job. I think the report is worth every penny uh, because it's not just about dealing with the, the allegations uh, that we asked her to, but I think the public expects and all members of the House expect that this place functions the way that it's supposed to. And I can tell you that these recent events has caused, um, I think, significant questions in the minds of the public, but also in the people who work in this building. And so I view the, uh, the McLaughlin report as important, not just in terms of dealing with the allegations um, in contained in the speaker's report, but also in restoring and helping to start to restore confidence uh, in this institution so why can you
6: not tell us what the cost is yet when you're saying it's worth every penny
4: because quite uh, well because all of those things have to be added and there's financial reporting and those statements come out when they come out but what i'm saying is is that when i read that report we wanted somebody an eminent jurist whose findings would be beyond reproach that would not be questioned that people could read and could understand and that's exactly what we got and that uh, we were able to make a decision with the full confidence that uh, what we were doing was right, what we were doing was fair, and what we were doing is in the best interests of um, the legislature and, ultimately, the public.
0: Now, you've heard a lot, obviously, from the House leader, because that is the government House leader, Mike Farnworth, but there's House leaders for the other parties as well, including the BC Liberals and the Greens, and they were all there at that media availability. They have all been dealing with this particular issue. So one of the other questions that was asked is, any dissent here? Are they all in agreement on this one? And here's what they had to say.
7: And all three
4: of you are unanimous. Yes. yes. I, yes. I, I just want to say that we have all worked very hard and together, and there has not been, this has not been on the basis of partisanship or uh, anything like that, other than to do what's right and what's in the best interest of this institution.
0: All right, so what do you think about what you've heard so far? You've got some misconduct that uh, has come out as a result of the McLaughlin report, confirmed, we should say, by the McLaughlin report, and some that was not. Uh, Gary Lentz, once again, we will uh, mention, uh, did not engage in misconduct according to this report. He remains on administrative leave with pay and benefits. Craig James, uh, some cases were that did constitute misconduct according to the McLaughlin report, retired effective immediately with a non-financial settlement and of course there's questions about what all of that actually means. And OU have been busy calling our buzzline on this topic because I know people want to see this problem fixed. For the moment this story broke back in late November of last year. It has outraged when you hear about some of the details and the allegations that have been going on about this. We're getting more and more clarity, lots of recommendations in this report as well. Essentially what Beverly McLaughlin is saying here is, listen, you got to tighten up this ship. You've got to put the proper policies in place to make it absolutely clear what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Now, we've had a lot of reaction on our buzz line, as I mentioned about this, that number six zero four three three one 331 buzz We had a caller who had some questions about what happens next. So we
4: find out in the legislature's spending scandal that the clerk's a thief and decides to retire today. My question is, now that, finan- or that non-financial agreement, now is the RCMP going to go after him and charge him with theft? Because he stole from us. Is actually
0: okay, I can answer some of those questions for you. This McLaughlin report doesn't have anything to do with the special prosecutor's investigation, which is still ongoing. We also know that the allegations had also been sent to the Victoria Police, so we know there is also that investigation. That has nothing to do with the retirement and the McLaughlin report that came out today. So at some point, we will hear more about that. So it may not be the end of it, right? There is, There are still those reports... Uh, that have to and investigations that have to be dealt with. Uh, we had another caller who had some questions about what was revealed in the report.
2: With Craig James getting a non-financial agreement, does that mean he just doesn't get charged and they don't have to pay him his pension?
0: No, that's not what that means. What the non-financial agreement means is you go your way, we go ours. Don't you can't sue for wrongful dismissal. This is the end of the matter. It probably He's probably still getting his pension, but it has nothing to do with any potential, if there is, criminal aspect to this. That will be entirely separate, uh, and whatever fallout may come, if there is something criminal, would then have to be dealt with. And I think that's why you heard Mike Farnworth being very careful in how he tiptoed around the discussions regarding the retirement As I mentioned just now, there is more to come on this because there is this police investigation, there is this special prosecutor who, not one but two, right, looking into this. So there, that that really doesn't, we don't know what the end result of that is. This is just the report at the legislature the employer of this person. That's it, nothing more. So there is still more to come on that. We had a caller who thinks that the McLaughlin report signifies a shift in how people are appointed to these kinds of positions and how they will be overseen and judged.
7: It just goes to show you that after a while, even though you go in with good intentions and you become complacent and perhaps maybe you become um, that the entitlement that you feel you should have uh, even though some of these positions that people hold like senate positions um, all the ones to where you're appointed and you're not voted in and it's like almost you stay there forever those are the types of people who you know absolute power absolute corruption so this is where we need to look at whether or not these people should be able to stay in positions, and if they keep being the same people in the same position, then I think that um, they need to be evaluated, and we need to look at that. Lots of changes are coming out of this. It's not what you do, it's how you go about it. And apparently, the Speaker, he got his revenge and his claim to fame by pointing out things that we needed to know. However, let's just hope that this is the start of a clean, more transparent government for all parties
0: I think it will signify that. In fact, I think that is going to be the benefit that comes out of all of this outrageousness that we have been, you know, talking about here. Uh, One of the other interesting things that Mike Farnworth said is that he expects to put a motion before the House next week that would create an all-party committee that would choose a new clerk. And he said that process will be an open competition and says that the successful candidate will need to have unanimous support to be appointed. Uh, so that's a much different you know step than what we have seen in the past. So the hiring of a new clerk will be a very different process than what we have seen in the past. And there will be new rules put in place about spending, uh, what constitutes misconduct, what the clerk can, can't do. So there are, this is definitely going to change things. Uh, we had a caller who said, listen, this report is all fine and good too, but wants to get the money back on this. Okay,
5: Mr. Uh... James is gone. He retires. Okay. Next up, get the money refunded for the items that were taken or purchased without proper authorization. Go through. Finish the job. Do not just let him go with the full retirement package. You must recover the money that was spent on items that should not have been purchased.
0: All right. But what about what does Daryl Plekis have to say about that? Well, actually, he was just asked about getting the money back, and here's what he said. Do you think
3: that will be repaid back? Well, I think it's very complicated
6: legally. I think there's issues with regard to time limits. Uh, I mean, a, a labor lawyer would be better able to answer that. But uh, I think as it stands now. But British Columbians, do they
3: deserve to have that money back? Well, I think I had said a long time ago that
6: I think monies that were people received that they shouldn't have received, taxpayers should get that money back.
0: All right, so that's the speaker, Daryl Plekis, talking.
1: Now, continuing coverage of the expenses scandal at the legislature on The Simi Sarah Show.
0: And there is a lot to cover with this. The report out barely an hour ago. So for the afternoon, there's a lot more still to come on this, including one of the people accused in this and cleared by Beverly McLaughlin. That would be the former sergeant at arms, Gary Lentz. He remains on administrative leave. Sounds like he's going to be holding a media availability at about 1.30 to respond to what was in the report today. We'll have that for you as well. And of course, none of this would have really happened if it hadn't been brought up in such let's just say, spectacular fashion by the Speaker of the Legislature, Daryl Plekis. One of the people who helped him do that is his Chief of Staff, Alan Mullen, and he joins us now to break down what he heard today. Thank you very much for joining us.
8: Pleasure. Good afternoon.
0: What did you think about the McLaughlin Report?
8: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, uh, I I think it is uh, incredibly well written, obviously, from, you know, the top jurists in the country. Uh, You know, it it spoke to exactly what the terms of reference were. Uh, You know, I mean, I think we're a little bit disappointed that the terms of reference were, were, you know, quite narrow. Uh, It was not a legal investigation. It was simply an investigation into administrative misconduct, i.e., was there conformity with legislative assembly rules, practices or policies? Uh, I mean, did the report uh, speak to that? Absolutely, it did. So, I mean, we're we're very happy with the report and we're we're tremendously grateful to uh, Justice McLaughlin.
0: There is a a part in there uh, on and around page eight where the former chief justice does mention that with the speaker of the legislature, uh, he perhaps was a little too fast in investigating this rather than trying to fix the situation. What, What did you think about that?
8: Well, I mean, I, I think from from somebody looking at it, uh, you know, just with with the ther- terms of reference uh, in front of her, uh, I think that's a very fair comment. I mean, uh, you know, that that is that is an observation she made. Uh, but I'll remind, uh, or I'm reminded of of what we've been doing here for the last year and a half, and I and I think there was no quick fix to this. There was no easy answer, and uh, we've seen it in the past where. Items are brought up, singular items are brought up to the individuals in question, and uh, ultimately it gets buried. And and the Speaker and I felt, uh, you know, before we we bring anything up, we want to make sure we are so right. Uh, So that's why we went through the process we did, as as we referenced in the past.
0: Are you satisfied then with the fact that the clerk now has retired and that uh, Mr. Lentz has been cleared of misconduct but remains on administrative leave?
8: Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'd use the word satisfied uh, or, or vindicated as some people are suggesting. I mean, I think uh, and the Speaker thinks that we still have a, a lot to do here. Uh, Mr. James uh, obviously made a, a decision for himself and for his family uh, for whatever reason to to retire after a long time uh, in public service. Uh, and with regards to Mr. James, uh, he was placed on administrative leave November 20th, as you know, um, and and that status hasn't changed. Uh, the 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 issues that that he was placed on leave for those those issues are still outstanding. Uh, they were not part of the terms of reference for the McLaughlin uh, investigation. So uh, we still have a lot more to do. Hence, why the House has has uh, maintained Mr. Lenz on that administrative leave with pay and benefits.
0: Uh, what do you think is going to change as a result of this? What will get better? What will improve? Well,
8: I think the report is obviously a very important first step toward, you know, accountability and transparency at the legislature. Uh, I mean, people have been saying it uh, over the years, time and time and time again, we need to be open and transparent. I think it will probably ultimately change some FOI laws as it pertains to to the legislature. Uh, And at the end of the day that's uh, that's our primary goal. make this place better uh, and and more open and transparent. It is after all the people's house
0: was there not was it not within the speaker's abilities though to tackle some of these questions and fix a lot of these policies without turning it into this huge investigation like couldn't the speaker have done that as well
2: well i think
8: I think uh, a lot of the stuff especially pertaining to what's contained in the McLaughlin report is uh, very you know policy and procedure orientated but you know, we must remember, too, that along the way, if we see items that are what we believe may be of a criminal nature, uh, then our obligation at that point is, is to take it to the police, which we did. I mean, that's that's not for the speaker to intervene on or, or fix or not fix. That's that's why that, that, that uh, police investigation is going on. And also to make a blanket policy change at an institution this old that has these policies in place for such a long time, uh, obviously, we would need we would need help from, you know, folks like the Auditor General, who is now, as you know, doing you know, a full in-depth uh, forensic audit.
0: So, Mr. Mellon, what happens now? Is this all done now? Uh, well, I mean, uh, we, we we still
8: have the police investigation ongoing. Uh, there is still that audit I mentioned, and we're still, you know, about to go down that path of the workplace review. Uh, these are these are three big items Um you know, like I said, we've got a lot of work to do here in the Speaker's office. I think we've got a lot of work to do at the legislature in restoring the, the, the faith in, in this place uh, from the general public. I mean, like I said, I think this is a good first step. Uh, but we're not done here. We're not even close to being done.
0: What has changed in your job now that all of this, these investigations and things are so public?
8: Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, a little bit uh, more... Uh, or a little bit easier i i would i would say you know people understand that at the end of the day i i believe from what i'm hearing people understand that look uh, we're not getting anything out of this other than we just want to do the right thing uh we came into this place uh, feeling there's a lot of change that need to happen and because it's become more public now uh it, it allows me to you know work with a lot more people within the legislature and the assembly members themselves uh, to say okay well let's let's do it collaboratively here uh, I'm looking at also doing a review across the country at best practices and and learn from other legislatures
0: yeah and what how does the speaker feel about today
8: uh like i said he like me he's he's incredibly grateful to uh, Justice McLaughlin for all her her work and and her report. however, he does share that disappointment too that she didn't have uh you know a full opportunity to follow the leads i e some witnesses some supplement supplemental reports um it, it, and, that, and that wasn't her fault. That was the terms of reference were so narrow. So there's a little bit of disappointment there. But ultimately, uh, you know, I mean, her her report really, uh, you know, clarifies a lot of stuff that was in the Plecus report from January.
0: Isn't this actually then, isn't that the special prosecutor's uh, job right now?
8: The, well, the special prosecutor's job is is to look at the is, uh, the criminal side.
0: All right. So there's still more to come on this, you think?
8: That's, absolutely, there is. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mr. Mullen, thank you for your time.
8: Absolute pleasure.
0: That is Alan Mullen, the chief of staff to Daryl Pluckus, who has been at the centre of all of this uh, by bringing forth these allegations against the uh, now former clerk of the legislature and the sergeant at arms who remains as of today on administrative leave. If you want to weigh in, send me at com. There's more to come on this, of course. We will continue to be following this story. Well, when it comes to studying space, we have had a tendency to kind of look beyond our planet and bypass what's right there, the thing that we can actually see, and that's the moon. But that's changing. We're learning a lot more about the moon, like the fact that it may generate moonquakes and more. So why is that happening? What's going on? Well, Thomas Waters joins us now, a senior scientist in the Center for Earth and Planetary Studies at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. Thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Are we getting are we studying the moon, do you think, more often now? Like this this object that we see so often? Well, I, I don't
3: know that we're studying it more, but I think it's becoming again with, with interest in in returning humans to the moon, it's it's becoming more and more a focus. Um I think we've had a, a pretty good stream of studies and one of the kind of really interesting aspects of this study is the fact that we're combining data that was collected 40 to 50 years ago uh, by the Apollo seismometers that were placed on the moon by the Apollo astronauts with data that's been collected much more recently by the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter which is still, I'm happy to say, in orbit and functioning perfectly and taking terrific images of the surface. And that's sort of key to this whole this whole story was the fact that there are these now we know thousands of young fault scarps on the Moon that had pretty much gone undetected until we got into orbit with the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter and we also had from the Apollo era, these moon quakes that had been recorded by the seismometers, but we weren't sure what their source was. And so combining the two, we now have established that the source of these, particularly these shallow moonquakes, are likely these very young fault scarps that are indicating the moon is contracting.
0: Really? So what is a fault scarp?
3: Okay, Yeah, that's a great question. I should define that. <laughs> yes. So a fault scarp is literally just this cliff-like feature that uh, occurs when crustal materials are getting pushed together and literally break and are thrust up over uh, an adjoining part. So you end up with, again, what looks like almost a stair step in the topography. If you were on the ground or on the lunar surface and looking at this thing, you'd look across the horizon and see this sort of like wall in front of you, which which is, again, this fault scarp just being caused by the, again, crustal materials getting pushed up.
0: Okay. So then how is this impacting like the surface of the moon?
3: So what it does is it creates this, again, these these thousands now we know of small uh, stair steps in the topography, and, and it indicates that the moon has – then you know this population of faults indicates the moon has contracted, not a huge amount, but has contracted um, by probably the radius change of the moon or the diameter of the moon. Let's do radius change first. Has changed by no more than a hundred meters over the last tens of millions of years, um, and so that's that's okay. So in diameter, we're talking about. 200 uh, meters, less than 200 meters um, or so. So it's not a huge amount of contraction, but it's right. still significant.
0: So if you were on the surface of the moon, would this be noticeable?
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And one of the the, the, the the most famous of these scarps that we actually first detected, again, the story almost starts with Apollo because we first had an idea of the existence of these young scarps from These very high resolution photographs that were taken during the Apollo missions. And one of those is actually one of these fault scarps is very near the Apollo 17 landing site. And Schmidt and Cernan actually took their rover and decided to drive up over this fault scarp, and they literally lost traction trying to get up it because the, slope was, was, the slopes can get to, to 20 degrees or, or better. Oh. And so they had to stop and then start to zigzag in order to get up over this scarp. So, yeah, there's actually been humans have actually sort of reconnoitered of one of these young scarps that, that now, again, numbers in the thousands.
0: So what is the value that in going back to the moon, like with those crews, what questions would you have that want to get answered?
3: Well, there's a really fundamental science question that that emerges from from this, which is how does a body the size of the moon remain hot uh, in its interior? Because that's the primary force that's creating this global contraction is the moon's interior is still hot. And, and so as it cools you know the interior volume shrinks and then again the crust has to adjust to that so you end up again with this network of of fault scarps so the real question is how does the moon you know one of the smallest silicate bodies that we have in the in the solar system maintain its interior heat for 4.5 billion years uh, and it sort of flies in the face of the conventional wisdom that, that uh, the smaller the, the rocky body, the more quickly it loses its interior heat and then becomes geologically inactive. And the moon just hasn't followed that path at all.
0: Huh. So what role does the so, Earth play, if any, in all of this? Like, do we... Well, that-
3: yeah, the, and, and that's a great question because the Earth does and turns out plays a, a, an important role in, in the fact that you know we, we know of the tidal effect that the moon has on the Earth in, in the rising and lowering of the tides, but many people don't realize that the Earth is having a, a similar effect or the same effect on the moon, except it's a solid body tide, not, uh, you know there aren't any, no bodies of water on the moon that, yeah. that are responding to these tidal forces, but the crust of the moon does. It actually gets flexed not by a huge amount, but enough to, to induce forces that combine with these global contracting forces to help create these young thrust fault scarps. So the moon is actually, or the Earth in a, in a real sense, is, is still having a very definite impact on the moon.
0: What's so fascinating, is, as well as you said, is so much of this information was from these Apollo missions back in what, the early 1970s?
3: That's yeah. The Apollo, the, the first Apollo mission was was essentially it was 50 years ago. I mean, our our first landing on the moon, so with Apollo 11. But yeah, the Apollo seismometers were returning data from 1969 to 1977. So again, just an extremely valuable data set yeah. that that uh, you know that has now again been combined with a modern uh, uh, data set to tell us something. We didn't really know about the moon.
0: So, did we not know originally? Like when that data, when we were getting that data in the 1970s, did we not know until we could combine it with this new information what was actually happening?
3: That's correct. Yeah, we we really couldn't connect what those moonquakes were being caused by until we had this these imid, the images from the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter that showed us that oh gee we have all these. Active, you know. Now we know to be active um, faults on the, on the moon. So we again we're able to make the connection between a shallow moonquake and an actual uh, now resolved and detected uh, fault scarp.
0: So, and the
3: other we, part of this yeah. too is that there's kind of a there's kind of a practical side of this uh, I wanted to mention, which is the fact that. You know, we do have ambitious plans to return to the moon, and we now know that we have thousands of very young, potentially active faults on the moon. And that's something we have to be mindful of when when we're thinking about long-term, establishing long-term outposts on the moon.
0: How soon are we going back? What are the plans?
3: Well, I think uh, the 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 US has a, a very ambitious plan now for NASA to return humans to the moon by 2024 and um we'll see if if that is, that can be accomplished. It's a it's a a real challenge. Uh and of course we'll take a great deal of uh uh the funding to to make happen, but I think we're even if it doesn't happen in that time frame I think it it's going to happen. There's a lot of international interest in in the moon now and and making, you know, not just visiting the moon but actually going there and making a, a long-term presence.
0: Well, it is fascinating. Uh Thomas, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh, my pleasure.
0: That's Thomas Waters, senior scientist in the Center for Earth and Planetary Studies at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C., a place that I have always wanted to go. I've Always wanted to check out the Smithsonian and all the different museums that they have there. Uh, listen, if you want more science news, we have that for you, too. You can check out the Super Awesome Science Show with Jason Tetro. Hey, Jason, what's on the show this week?
8: Well, Simi, this week we're going to be focusing on bees. They're a necessary part of our agriculture due to pollination, and quite honestly, many of the foods that we enjoy would not be around without them. We're going to explore how humans can help bees by giving them a home in the city and how planting certain flowers may help them avoid infection. And we're also going to learn about the current research that's going on and how you can learn more about getting into beekeeping.
0: All right, that thanks, Jason. That's a super awesome science show. You can check it out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>
1: Continuing coverage of the expenses scandal at the legislature on the Simi Sarah Show. Sergeant-at-Arms, Mr. Lenz,
4: did not engage in misconduct with respect to any of the five allegations. Having considered the findings of the special investigator, Mr. Lenz continues on administrative leave with pay and benefits...
0: That is Mike Farnworth, the NDP House Leader in the Legislature today. What we learned is that the former clerk of the Legislature, Craig James, has retired as of today with the release of the McLaughlin Report. He had been suspended with pay since last November, along with Gary Lentz, the Sergeant-at-Arms. And as you just heard, Mr. Lenz was found to have not committed misconduct in the report today, but will remain on administrative leave. So what does that mean? What happens now? Well, Mr. Lenz joins us now to talk more about this. Thank you for being here.
2: It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: What did you think about what the report had to say today?
2: Well, you know, I'm very pleased to be fully exonerated by uh, Justice Bev McLaughlin. And uh, and this is a very happy day for me and my family and, and for those who have supported me. And uh, it's a good day. And uh, it's a good day for British Columbians. And it's a good day for all the people at B.C. to show that justice and our, demo- our democratic system does work. And um, the truth has come out.
0: Now, Mr. Lentz, a lot of the uh, cases of misconduct that she did find, did you witness any of that? Did you ever have an idea or any kind of inkling of what was going on?
2: You know, I I can't, as you heard from the the floor of the House, I can't comment on the report or uh, the context of it. But what I can say to you is this, is that um, I gave evidence that was uh, truthful. I gave uh, uh, documents and I gave other uh, correspondence to uh, Justice Bev McLaughlin. She reviewed the whole matters uh, in context with everybody else's and found no misconduct. If, if there was anything that I that I had done that was wrong, it would have came out in the report, and, of course, I've been exonerated.
0: Do you wish, though, looking back, that perhaps you'd done things differently?
2: You know, that's, that's a very good question, and I think in the future I would probably do things differently uh, in the context that I would have more documentation. I'd make sure that uh, the... Uh, a better flow of, of communications and process uh, would, would be in place. I felt it was adequate at the time, but in view of this report and and these circumstances that have been brought forward, um, yeah, I would definitely, if I when I when I do go back, would be to ensure that there's better systems in place.
0: You just said when you do go back, do you want your job back? You want to go back?
2: It's from day one. That's all I've ever wanted is just to go back to work, serve British Columbia. There are projects that. Uh, have been initiated with international partners in security and around Canada, and I want to see those completed. You know, the the members of Parliament, the, the Speaker of the House, we all have the same vision. We want to serve the people of British coffee. We want to make this the best it can be for the people. What has happened is is wrong. It, 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 it shouldn't have happened. You know, allegations, false allegations or issues that have, that have been raised should not be allowed to to have you know immeasurable damage to a person's reputation or to have it across the media or uh, and and across the places that that it harms the person's family and his life
0: now when you were um escorted out of the legislature it was with uh the former clerk Craig James um uh, you've kind of since been linked you know press conferences together do you regret that now in hindsight given that he was found guilty of misconduct uh
2: no you know myself and mr. James have uh, been uh, have, have always had a working relationship the circumstances that were be- before us at uh, being walked out uh, this report um, has pulled us together and we both independently went to see uh, judge uh, Justice Bev McLaughlin and presented our evidence and it's uh, and the findings are the findings um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change what I've done
0: but this is one report, though, right, Mr. Lentz? I mean, there's others still to come. There's a special prosecutor. There's a, a police investigation. Are you at all concerned about those?
2: No, you know, uh, I know my, this is a process. We have um, the, uh, the, the police investigation that is still, uh, still to come, and uh, we've been in, the police have been in touch with us just recently, and they'll be having a, an interview with them. But, you know, from the beginning, I've done nothing wrong. And I'm looking forward to sitting down with the police and answering any questions they have for as long as they want to have, have me there. As I said, I've done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong in, in, in this report. I've done nothing wrong in, in, for sure in anything anything slightly criminal. And I look forward to getting this cleared up as quickly as possible so I can get back to doing the job that I was been
0: assigned to do. Is are the, did the police ask for a an interview then and will you be doing that in the near future?
2: Oh yes, very much so. Uh, we've, uh, I haven't spoken to my lawyer on the exact date yet, but I am aware that there is a date that has been selected, and um, we'll be uh, having those conversations. And like I said, uh, I've done nothing wrong, and I look forward to having that that conversation with them and getting this cleared up.
0: And Mr. Lenz, you said you wanted to go back to work, but clearly it'll be a different job, right, when you go back. Uh, the number of things that were outlined in Justice McLaughlin's report that show that there have not been adequate controls of spending and things that go on in that position. Uh, did you ever think that that stuff was needed, or did you think that everything was going along just fine?
2: You know with with, with any time there's a review there's always going to be changes to to policies to procedures and and I welcome those you know uh, I was a detachment commander we had many many audits at those points and you you look at those and you always always can do things better and and systems can be changed to make things better and and it's and I, and I welcome these these kind of changes it's going to make the system better it's going to make democracy better it's going to make the parliament better you know the, the changes weren't, weren't just to the Sergeant at Arms; they were to they'll be done to all the branches. I follow the policies and procedures of the Assembly, and if when we do the changes, that come forward with them, I want to be a part of that. I want to be, to be a part of those changes and to make sure that one thing that th- what has happened to me doesn't happen ever again to anybody else. At the same time, if there's any any uh, financial changes along those, I welcome them.
0: Do you think you could have a working relationship with the Speaker Daryl Pluckus, after everything that has happened?
2: Well, absolutely. You know, as I've stated earlier, is that you know Daryl Pluckus, as all members that I've known in, in in the legislature, and I know I know them all, and I know the staff and the people within the Assembly. They all share the same goal. They all share the same vision. They want to do the best for British Columbia and for British Columbians, as so do I, and. With people of that type of goal and that kind of mind, I can work with them. What has happened in the past is going to be the past. We need to move forward, and I want to move forward with, you know, on, 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 on the path that's before us. If all we're going to do is look behind us and, 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 and have uh, anger or, or issues with it, we're going to fall off that path. So, yes, I can work with Daryl Pluckus, I can work with any of the House members. I can work with the staff. Uh, that's who I am.
0: Were you comfortable with all the trips that were being taken? I mean, you were on some of those. Were you comfortable with all the purchases? I mean, surely you saw some of that going on.
2: You know, um, I I can't comment as to the part of the report. The uh, Justice McLaughlin heard my rationale on all those trips. They were all business trips. And as a result of uh, what what I have had to say to her and the documentation and the correspondence produced, as you've heard today in the report, there was no uh, misconduct on my part at any time.
0: But did you think that all that travel was necessary?
2: Uh, I can't go into the explanations. Of they're all business-related for security. And, uh, and as a result of that, I, I can only repeat it again, is that I brought that forward. As you heard in the House today, I can't disclose the, those parts. It's under parliamentary privilege, so I can't go down that road right now. Yeah.
0: What is the timeline then, Mr. Lenz, for the near future? You say you want your job back, but how do you see that unfolding?
2: Well, it's everything's in steps. The first step happened today was the was for me to be exonerated on, on uh, Speaker Pluckus's report. And uh, as I said, I'm very pleased to see that. The next will be with the police. And um, I see after that uh, then, then it'll be up to the House leaders. Do they want me back or not? Uh, that won't be my decision. That'll be theirs. But I'm... Uh, I'm very hopeful, and uh, I want to be back.
0: Have you had an opportunity to speak to them, or will you be pursuing that?
2: Um, Through my lawyer, uh, there has been correspondence, but I have not had any correspondence with the House leaders.
0: Okay, but you perhaps expect that in the future?
2: Um, I'm assuming there will be more conversations between my lawyer and them, absolutely.
0: All right, well, listen, thank you very much for your time on this, Mr. Lentz.
2: Well, thank you, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to be on your station.
0: Anytime. That is Gary Lentz, the sergeant at arms at the B.C. legislature who is currently on administrative leave and remains so. Now, he, of course, was also uh, accused of misconduct, but the McLaughlin report cleared him of those allegations today. uh, Found numerous instances of misconduct against Craig James, the former clerk who retired as of today, but did not find the same for Gary Lentz. Now, he's going to be holding a press conference, so he'll be asked a whole bunch of more questions. That's coming up in about 15 minutes time. But I think you heard... Uh, the biggest, and most relevant stuff right there that he feels he's been vindicated, that he will be speaking to the police and that he wants his job back, even though it's a very different job. He wants his job back, wants to be part of the changes at the legislature. If you've ever been in downtown Vancouver on Granville Street, you know, late night on a weekend, you know, it can be. Well, let's just say crazy. I mean, I've heard it referred to as a zombie apocalypse or a streetwide animal house. Uh, But in the midst of all of that, there's also a group of volunteers who are there every weekend to try to prevent sexual assaults from happening. But now they need help in order to continue their work. They are called Good Night Out Vancouver and the coordinator, Stacey Forrester, had a chance to join us. Stacey, thanks so much for joining us to talk about this today. First off, can you explain to me what is Good Night Out Vancouver?
6: Yeah, Good Night Out is a BC based um, nonprofit society, and we do a few different programs that are aimed at improving um, women and vulnerable people's uh, safety and nightlife in Vancouver.
0: So, what does that involve? Like, what do you have to do?
6: Yeah, so um, one of our main programs is um, a training program for bars and restaurants and music festivals. Um, We train staff around safety issues and prevention strategies for um, sexual harassment and sexual assault. We also have um, a consent education program for university campuses to teach young adults about consent culture and harm reduction. And then another program we have is our Bramble Street team, um, which is Topic of conversation right
0: now. Yeah, it really is. That's really what caught our attention here. So you've got a Granville Street team that does what? What, What's the work involved there?
6: Yeah, so we have um, a team of um, basically outreach workers who roam the Granville Strip between midnight and 3.30 a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights. And they just kind of support people um, who may need it in the public realm. So they carry water, they carry phone chargers, uh, they help people find their friends um, or get transportation home or support them if, if they're maybe too intoxicated and, and taking a nap outside or, or, you know, just being over-intoxicated in public.
0: Right. And now, can you, have you done that job before? Have you ever gone down there at that time of night?
6: I have done it. Oh boy. Okay. Our team definitely yeah, our team definitely doesn't have an easy job and they deserve a lot of props.
0: What's it like when you go down there? What are some of the things that you see and have to kind of get involved with?
6: Yeah, so it can be really chaotic. There's a lot of people um there's a lot of puke (laughs) Um, and just yeah, a lot of noise. Um, Our team doesn't intervene on anything that's already highly aggressive or highly charged. We're looking for maybe the things that might go undetected if you weren't looking for them. So so subtle harassment or people who who could potentially be vulnerable but maybe aren't. Um, We just kind of stop in and do a quick check-in with them, and they may tell us, like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just waiting for my friend here. Um, we'll hang out with them until their friend comes.
0: Right. What kind of a difference do you think this has made, Stacey? Like, do people thank you? Do they even realize that there might have been a problem?
6: Yeah, um, because we, um, as of June, um, have, have would have been out for almost 12 months, um, the team is kind of an expected fixture in the strip. So... Um, People know to look for us if someone's in trouble Um, and oftentimes on on Sunday and Monday mornings, our Facebook will get messages um, from people just saying like, oh, I think you helped me last night. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you and I'm sorry if I was embarrassing, um, which is really nice.
0: Now, that's amazing. Like, when I was reading about this, I thought, wow. So you're essentially there to jump in when you, in sober, of course, unlike a lot of people at Granville at that time of night, but to jump in and say, listen, hey, hold on here, there might be a problem.
6: Yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's a bit of a prevention kind of measure as much as it is intervention. And also in a lot of ways, it's kind of like, an ambassador or a host for the GED, kind of, you know, creating a culture of checking in with each other and welcoming them and make sure everyone, you know, gets home safe.
0: Right, and I'm guessing the police must be pretty happy to have you guys down there.
6: Yeah, the VPD are extremely supportive of our program. We work really closely with them. Um, At times we can be a valuable link for people to the police, but also um, I think that we free up police resources by kind of, you know, intervening with the things that we call kind of subcriminal.
0: What does that mean?
6: Like the light harassment or if someone kind of following someone, maybe not with the intent to make them uncomfortable, but can make them feel unsafe more kind of we call it creepy light <laughs> Ah,
0: okay good way to put it so this to me the way you describe it Stacy, sounds inc- like incredibly valuable work but it sounds like you're also having a bit of trouble making sure this work continues is there a fundraising problem
6: yeah so um in april of last year city council passed a unanimous motion to pursue a permanent funding model um, for the street team, which was great to see them recognize that, that our program is effective and our program is needed. Um, but it's a collaborative funding model. So ultimately what it looks like is the city pitches in a share. Um, after that motion was passed, the Downtown Vancouver BIA generously stepped up as a partner. Um, but it meant that we were um, on the hook for the other third. So we've had a year to come up with our share, which um, at minimum, is 18000 ideally it's 20000 um, and we just haven't been able to secure all of it. Um, we've got pockets of grants here and there, but um, ultimately not enough. So we hired a grant writer in April, and we decided just to pause for May before things get really busy um, to really ramp up fundraising and also wait and see if any of the grant applications panned
0: out. Right. So that seems like a lot of work to keep this going. Is there, have you considered a different model? Like has the city, is, is anybody offering to help you out with this?
6: Um, not yet. Other than small donations here and there, um, we are confident that something will pan out, but it is, it is really hard because, um, you know, what people may not know about good night is it's ultimately just two people and a board of directors, um, Me and the other co-founder are not staff, so fundraising is a lot of work. Big organizations have a grant writer on staff, um, whereas we do all of this on top of our regular full-time jobs. Um, Yeah, it's hard, and it's hard to every few months uh, have to scramble to do this.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So have you been getting, I know this story has kind of been out there for the last couple of days. What kind of response have you gotten?
6: Yeah, uh, yeah, the media have really jumped on it, which is great. Um, we kind of have decided, due to the attention, we are going to launch a crowdfunder after the long weekend. Okay. Um, but people can still donate through our site, and I did peek at it the other day. There's been a couple of people sending us um, some small donations, which we really appreciate.
0: And what is that website?
6: Uh, GoodnightOutVancouver.com
0: goodnightoutvancouver.com all right we'll see what we can do uh, stacy it sounds like you guys do some incredibly valuable work down there so listen best of luck thank you so much for the chat that is stacy forrester the coordinator with goodnight out once again their website if you'd like to pitch in and help out goodnightoutvancouver.com